Welcome back, dear students, to our second presentation for Chapter 1. And in this presentation, we are going to learn how to develop effective personal financial goals. Well, actually, any type of goal, but this is a financial planning class. And we're going to show you how you, by setting simple goals early on in your working career as young adults can build substantial wealth. Yes, you can. You don't believe me, but stick with us because we're going to show you how. Let's get started on slide 19, developing personal financial goals. The types of financial goals include those influenced by the time frame in which in which you want to achieve your goals, because that's ever important. How much time do we have to accomplish this goal? And what is the financial need that drives the goal? In our class, we're going to use short-term, intermediate-term, and long-term, and we'll discuss those in detail on the next slide. But Take a look at the bottom of slide 19 and burn this into the back of your eyeballs. Financial goals, actually all goals, should be realistic. If not, you're setting yourself up for failure. Be stated in specific measurable terms so that we know how, how and when and, and that we've accomplished our goal. Have a time frame, because without a time frame, oh, we don't know when we're going to get done. Have a priority, high, medium, low, not important, very important. And indicate the action or actions to be taken that will lead directly to the goal. Now, <clears throat> we're going to discuss this over and over and over again, but... More often than not, the first couple of goals you write are not going to follow these criteria. So be prepared to make mistakes and try again and try again and try again. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. It is something to be very proud of because that's how we learn. By, by forging ahead, making mistakes, fixing them, and starting all over again. Slide number 20 the timing of the financial goals. Now, these are generally regarded in the financial planning world as the typical three types of timeframes. Short term, up to a year or so, whatever that means. Intermediate term, two to five years. Long term, anything more than five years. Although, there's room for you know d discussion and room for dis for uh, different versions. In my case, short term is one, two, three years because oh my goodness, the years just fly by. Einstein said that time was relative, and he was absolutely right. The older you get, the faster it goes. And intermediate term, three, four, five years, even six or seven, depending on your goal. I'm thinking in terms of maybe purchasing a house. Sometimes it takes a while to build that down payment. And then long term for me is 7, 10, 20, 30 years. Um, 
My timeframes are more common in the life insurance industry, whereas the ones that we see at the top of the slide from the book are more common in the financial industry. So remember that, folks. You have a little bit of wiggle room. You decide, but get in in your eye in your head. What are the three major time frames? Now this is different than accounting. If you've taken accounting classes, you know they have two: current, which is short term, meaning one year, and then everything else is long term. And I figured that out. But that's the accounting world. So just remember, if you're taking accounting, it's different. Slide twenty-one. Here's an example of a well-written effective financial goal pay off the squeeze you um, uh, sleaze you. visa pay off the visa balance three thousand five hundred three thousand how did i get three thousand five hundred dollars on that darn credit card yeah well there was that trip to cancun boy was she turned out to be a witch uh, and then the car oh yeah the car had a baby and the sister Needed a new transmission, and then the books. Is it easy to get $3,500 on a credit card? Uh, yeah. Is it easy to get it off? No. <laughs> the credit card industry is so beautiful, folks, from their point of view. <laughs> from our point of view, it's ugliness incarnate. And they know how to stick their hypodermic needle into your arm and start sucking your blood. So we make a goal. We want this thing gone within 12 months. Okay. That's a short-term, intermediate terminal. as short-term, right? How would we measure the success? Well, within 12 months is the, is the visa bill paid off. So what are the actions to be taken? Reduce dating and clubbing to twice a month. You mean I got to stay home on a Saturday night? Yeah, socially distance, of course. Cancel the cable service. Well, it's about time. And your mobile phone. No way. <laughs> You'd rather eat barbed wire than take away your mobile phone. Can you find a cheaper plan? It's like your air, right? <laughs> and then stop buying coffee at five bucks. Uh, for four bucks. Uh, 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 Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, they should really up it. It's like seven bucks now, right? And pay an extra $300 per month. Priority high. High priority. I want this done. Is this goal reasonable? Well, that's something that you have to answer for yourself. I can't answer it for you. For some people, yeah. They don't think twice about throwing $200 a week away going out. Or they don't think twice about buying 5 bucks or 7 bucks at Starbucks once or twice a day. Other people, are you out of your mind? There's no way I can come up with an extra $300 per month. Well, that's why we have our cash flow statement in Chapter 2. Stick with us. Slide number 22. A second example. Save up for a home theater system. Amount needed $2,000. Hmm, is that sufficient? Well, electronics have really come down in price. So sure, you're not going to get top of the line. But you should get something decent for two grand. Time frame, 12 months. So again, short term, intermediate term, long term, short term. Actions to be taken. Take, take a part-time job at Home Cheapo, Home Despot, Home, Home Depot. And put 150 bucks per month into a special savings account at the bank. Priority, medium. Now, no, no wait a minute. Is this the American way? 
You want that home theater system today. And all you have to do is fill out this application and you can take it home today. No interest for 12 months unless you don't make the payment. And then we go back to the very first day and charge you interest at 999% and take your firstborn and your... Oh, I'm sorry. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah. Do we wait a year to buy something like this? Well, some of us do. Your money or your life. Because those credit cards, dear students, well, wait, we'll discuss them in detail in Chapter 5. But remember, they're out there. They want to stick their needle into your blood. They want to suck your blood, stick their needle in their arm and suck your blood. Okay, so slide number 23. Here we are. So here's another example of a well-written goal. Save for a down payment on a condominium amount needed 15000 Is that enough? Well, for a first-time home buyer in the South Bay, the real estate agents, the loan brokers, they want to talk to you, at least. Is your credit good? What's your job like? Time frame, five years. Hmm, short term, intermediate term, long term? Well, it's certainly not short term, but it could be intermediate term or long term, you decide. Actions to be taken. Set up $200 automatic investment per month to be taken from our checking account. Expected rate of return, 7%. Hmm, where are we going to get that? Priority high. Now, will $200 per month at 7% be enough to reach this gold? Well, in this chapter, at the very end of this presentation, actually, we are going to learn how to calculate the future value of this stream of investments. Because, dear students, the future value of money is a very important topic in financial planning and money management. It will be on the exam. And so you have to do the worksheets because if you don't do the worksheets, you're going to see the exam and the problems are going to be there and you're going to go, I don't know how to do these. So don't do that. <laughs> we'll discuss it in detail as we go along. So now let's take a look at a non-financial goal on slide 24. Be able to do 15 good push-ups. Now what's a good push-up? Right, back straight, all the way down, all the way up. Well, this was me a long, long time ago. We used to have a class, it was an awesome class at Southwestern called Health Fitness Appraisal. It was a one unit class and they went through and did a health fitness appraisal and you there was stuff that you had to do. It was a class, it was a one unit class. And um, they get you on the treadmill and they get you on the pull-ups and all that stuff. And the uh, professor who's long since retired said to me, he said, Piano, you know, you're doing all right. Cardio's great, you ride your bike a lot, but that upper body strength, uh, not too good. We want you to be able to do 15 good push-ups. I said, okay, I can do seven. So within three months, I set a time frame, short term. Start with seven push-ups three times a day and increase by two or three push-ups every three or four weeks and work up to 15 push-ups within three months. Priority medium. So was this goal reasonable? Well, at the time, it certainly was, and I was able to pull it off. Don't ask me to do them now. I... It's really bad uh, shoulder, neck actually, injury, pinched nerve several months ago. But um, I did it. And now I have to, after I'm all better, I got to start working myself back up to these things, to doing these push-ups. 
I like the plank, actually, the yoga plank, which is kind of like a push-up, but you, you do it really slowly. You go down. They call it chaturanga. It's not, it's not quick. But either way, this is what life is like. <laughs> we set goals for ourselves. Some of them are reasonable. Some of them are not so reasonable. Some of them we fulfill. Some of them we don't. Sometimes we fulfill it. And then something else comes up and we have to go back to the drawing board. But this is life. This is the adventure that we're on. Cool? So your assignment as we'll discuss, is to create three short-term financial goals, three intermediate or long-term financial goals you decide, and one non-financial goal. Now, that's seven goals. Do at least seven. Feel free to do more. And don't worry, In the as you walk through Canvas or walk through the wonderprofessor.com, you'll see the assignment. You'll see, a, 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 you'll see where you can listen to a commentary. You'll see examples of rubric for, for well-written uh, uh, goals. So, so do, 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 work on this, but take your time, do a good job, and don't worry if your first tries are not that great. That's why we're here. So now, speaking of which, let's take a look at a, a, an example here on slide 25. Now we, we uh, got rid of the priority, high, medium, low, we left it out, but which of the following goals on slide 25 would be the easiest to implement and measure its accomplishment? A, spend less so we can save more each month. B, save $10,000 for a down payment on a condo. C, save $100 each month to create $4,000 emergency fund in 40 months by canceling the cable service. Or D, save enough for a $4,000 vacation next year. Now, in the face-to-face -face class, <laughs> when we used to have those, we have these little A, B, C, D cards at Southwest, at San Diego State. They have these little buttons you press, and it shows up on the screen. And we ask people, hey, come on, what do you think, A, B, C, or D? And what you mostly see are a lot of A's and a lot of C's. The A's are what we want for our goal to be. Why? Spend less so we can save more each month. Doesn't that sound great? What's wrong with that? Oh, there's a lot of things wrong with it. First of all, how much is less? How much is more? How long is it going to take you? And what are you going to do to get there? Whereas B and D are more specific, but not specific enough. C is the only goal which has a quantifiable, measurable objective, $4,000 emergency fund. How long are we going to get it there? 40 months, intermediate term. What are we going to do? Cancel the cable service and save $100 a month. You see, we want your goals to be specific, avoid vagueness like the plague, like the COVID virus, because that's our downfall. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll spend less. How much less? Well, I don't know. I didn't go to five bucks today, so I saved five bucks. Whereas C says, okay, what are you going to do? When are you going to happen? How much are you going to have? Are you with me? Are you sticking with me? Don't worry. Rubric for goals assignment, the assignments, and my feedback. I'm going <laughs> to hammer you. I'm going to come back and say, this is not specific enough. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I will. I promise. That's why I'm getting paid. Slide number 26. What's the financial goal of most Americans, dear students? Hmm? 
Well, when you ask people what the financial goal of most Americans will say, oh, you know, I want to have a house, retirement, good job, an RV, education for the kids. You're right. That's what we say our financial goal is. But our actions speak louder than our words. The financial goal of most Americans, dear students, is to spend everything that you earn. And then spend a little more. <laughs> most Americans live beyond their means. Now, this seems to be changing. But, oh, my goodness, that's what America is all about. Spend, spend, spend. More of everything. You deserved it. You earned it. No, I didn't. Honey, can we make it to the next paycheck? Is what you may hear in some households. Maybe your own. Well, we could if you hadn't gone to the day spa with your sister for $350. Well, you bought those golf clubs and we already had a set. What's the most, what's the biggest reason for divorce in the United States of Armenia, United States of America? Yeah, right. How do we spend more than we earn? We already learned that, didn't we? Just sign here, click here, only $999 per month for the rest of your life. Why do we do it? Why do we spend more than we earn? Well, it's part of our culture. Our culture, it's changing, it's changing. I think it, a lot of it has to do with Business 121, financial planning and money management. But we are just surrounded by tens of thousands of images every day to get us to spend every last dime that we have and then spend more. So, dear students, after today, after right now, slide 27, what is your most important financial goal? Well, I'm going to give you four. All right, You decide which one you want to use because, again, 10,000 images every day. I have a hard time believing this, but that's what the, that's what the marketing experts say. You are being bombarded by 10,000 images to get you to buy Spend, spend, spend. So after today, your most important financial goal is spend less than you earn. Or you could say it this way. Live beneath your means. Don't live beyond your means. Don't live within your means. Live beneath your means. The most effective one and the one that seems to be the most popular is pay yourself first. And we'll discuss this in detail going forward because this one tells you what you're going to do. Before you pay Nike, before you pay Ford, before you pay AT&T, you pay you. <laughs> and then what's this 10%? We'll discuss that in a minute. But remember, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer, child of the 1960s, 19, not 18, 1960s. So uh, my favorite saying is, make love, not loans. <laughs> It's a joke um, because, you know, making love can be expensive. You might say you might see make art, not war. Or you might see make love, not war, or make beer, not war, whatever. It's make love, not loans. And so you pick which one you want to use. I mean, you can use any one of them. I you got four choices. Burn it into the back of your eyelids, because when you're in that fabulously exclusive French department, department store, Target, <laughs> You've been to Target, haven't you? And uh, no, Target. I'm sorry, Target. And um, the woman or the man behind the desk says, would you like to put this on your Target card? You're going to say, no, thank you. I spend less than I earn. No, thank you. I live beneath my means. No, thank you. I pay myself first. Or in my case, 
no, thank you. I make love, not loans. That's what I tell them. And they look at you. Oh, that's a funny. <laughs> yeah, I've done it. I do it. I, it works. It works because, dear students, we're going to see in chapter five when we get to credit. Credit is the bubonic plague of personal financial planning. So which one do you like, huh? Which one do you like? Well, it turns out most people pick pay yourself first. And there's a reason for that. Slide number 28, pay yourself first. By having the money come out of your paycheck or checking account automatically, most individuals easily adjust to investing. It works like a pay raise, only in reverse, right? You go down to the bankruptcy courts, socially distant, of course, and you will see people making $200,000, $300,000 a year in bankruptcy. Now, I'd like to know how they got into bankruptcy making 200 grand a year. It's easy. Spend 250,000 a year and eventually you're going to wind up in bankruptcy course. So if you instead take that $50, $100 out of your paycheck, out of your checking account, automatically send it to your investment every month, you will adjust downward because it's coming out first before before you pay Home Depot, before you pay uh, the, uh, the Netflix. You with me? Because remember, these people, they've all taken Business 121, financial planning and money management. They've all taken Introduction to Investments. They've taken marketing. They've they know that they want that stream of investments to go from you to them before it ever winds up in your pocket. And so you're going to redirect you know, not a whole lot to start, especially if you're younger. Many financial planners recommend 10%, 10% solution, they call it, which may be reasonable for you, may not be, depending on your situation. The key is to get started early before you've got all the bills piling up with the kids and the and the orthodontia and the veterinarian bills and the RV payments or why did I buy an RV or or worse the uh, the, the uh, uh, timeshare payments? Yes, start paying yourself first. And many financial planners and many financial books have discussed this, but I don't think anyone has done it better than David Chilton in The Wealthy Barber. Now it's one of the books I recommend. It's you know a little old, out fat, is a little out of date. But it's still, Mr. Chilton says it very, very well. And he has this situation where the wealthy barber is a barber <laughs> who's still working. He's 60 years old, uh, part-time. But he's very wealthy. And everybody thinks that he inherited the money. No. He built his nest egg, so to speak. He built his wealth, his net worth, his wealth over time. And now he's distributing haircuts <laughs> to the to the locals and giving financial advice. Slide 29. The magic of compound interest. $30 a month, a dollar a day can magically turn into over a million dollars. And do you know what is even more impressive? You know someone who has done it, Roy R. Barber said proudly. 35 years ago, he was 25 years old, I started my savings with $30 a month. That was approximately 10% of my earnings. I have achieved just under 13% return per year. In addition, as my income rose, my savings rose accordingly. 
$30 a month became $60, then $100, and eventually hundreds of dollars a month. You three are looking at a very wealthy man. One of my early students only followed the pay yourself 10% first lesson. He bought the wrong life insurance, abused credit cards, overpaid for his mortgage, did not take advantage of his 401k at work, and lost all $15,000 of an inheritance playing in the commodities market. Oh, this is a real upbeat, encouraging story, Roy, said Tom. No, today his net worth is $850,000, Tom. 300000 of it is the equity in his health, but the rest is his 10% savings. He did everything else wrong, but, Kathy started, because he had saved 10% of each paycheck and invested it for long-term compounded growth, today he is in great shape, Roy finished. And, dear students, if you're young and you start early, consistently, we're going to learn the techniques in this class, and the world doesn't end, <laughs> uh, you can do it too. No guarantees because the world could end tomorrow. But we know, you know, you know, we know the world ends. I mean, eventually, you know, a few billion years, the, the sun's going to get so big that the earth is going to either get swallowed up or burnt to a crisp. But that's we got a long time to worry about that. That's why we got people like Elon Musk trying to get to Mars and get, get out of the solar system. We got a couple billion years to do it. Mm -hmm. Slide 31, the rule of 72. Now, you know, the book goes into this and you can think of it, but we're not going to ask you in the exam, we're not going to ask you any problems. But a quick and dirty method of calculating compound interest or inflation is to divide the interest rate or the inflation rate into 72. And that's approximately how long it will take for your amount to double. So say you had a 10% interest rate. You take 72 divided by 10, and that's 7.2, 7 years. So it'll take approximately 7 years for your investment to double. If there's a 3% consumer price index, which is what it's been over decades, it's now lower. And this, again, is aggregate. Some things are more, some things are less. But let's say 3%. 30, 72 divided by 3 is 24, 24 years. So if you go back 24 years and look at the price of a, a car, whatever car you're interested in, you will see that it's approximately half because cars follow the inflation rate almost to a T. And 24 years from now, it's going to be double. We don't know. We don't know. But if it stays at 3%, that's what's going to happen. But we're going to be more precise because it's not very useful for us. But it's just something to remember. Again, we're not going to ask you on the exam. You don't have to remember it. But it's just something you're going to hear about because we're going to be more precise. We're going to, in Chapter 5, learn how to do simple interest, which you may have already seen. But in Chapter 1, we're going to learn how to do compound interest. And it's the compound interest, which is the, 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 the marvelous, phenomenal, fantastically powerful uh, uh, tool that we'll have in our arsenal. So don't be confused. A simple interest we won't deal with until Chapter 5. So if you have any in any crowd problems on the exam for chapter one, they won't involve simple interest. But we want to take a look at it just to show how it works here. Interest equals principal times rate times time. And so that means if you had $100 at 6% at one year, you would have earned $6 in interest. So in one year, you have $106, right? $100 is your principal. 
Principal times rate times time, 100 times 6%, 0.06 times one. So you have $106. But now the next year, your interest, not only your principal, but your interest will earn interest. Hence the term compound interest. So $106 times 6% times one year is $6.36. And after one year, woo, 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 you will have a whopping $112.36. And I know what you're thinking. Big deal. <laughs> well, you know what, dear students? It is over time. And hence, we call it the time value of money. So now, we want you to put your thinking toques on your caps or whatever. Get your notebooks out. Take notes because this is important. Don't gloss this over. Now, of course, if you're driving or walking the dog, you come back to it later. But we in this class are going to work with future value. Present value is something we'll work with in chap in business. I'm sorry, business 123 introduction investments. But they're just basically two sides of the same coin. In math, we call it the inverse operation. We are going to take an amount now and compound it. That's the verb they use, compound it, into the future. In business 123, we go the opposite way. We take an amount later and discount it back to the present. Huh? It's a little tricky, but really not. Really, not. You do it a couple times, you go, oh, okay, I got this. But don't worry about it. We don't need, it's something you could learn in this class and the book goes through it, but, but you don't need it. We're more interested in building for the future in this class. Make sense? Okay, so we're gonna concentrate on future value. Slide 34. The amount to which a sum you invest now will increase based on a specified interest rate and time period. And as we said, it's also called compounding. And we can do the calculation for a single lump sum, a lump sum principal, a, a single payment, goes by various names. Or we can do it for a stream of investments, a series of deposits, a multiple payment system, also called an annuity. But I don't like to use the term annuity because although it's correct, annuity is also a life insurance product a very bad life insurance product. So <laughs> that's why I don't like to use that term. But the key is to start investing now. Now, if you're 18 years old or 20 years old, you're still in college and you got a ways to go, don't worry. That time frame, the magic time frame is 25 to 30. If you can get started at that age, you're now an adult, supposedly, that's what they tell you, and you're uh, out on your own, or maybe you're still uh, with the folks and, and you're earning some money and you start putting that money away at 25, you've got a long road ahead of you and you should do well, as we'll see when we get to the examples. So now here are the formulas. Don't worry about the formulas. We are gonna use the future value of money tables. We're going to use these guys right here, the future value of money tables. And I'm going to impress upon you to use those because if you don't, you're not going to get it right. Unless you really are math savvy and want to use the formulas. I don't want, I don't use them, even though my undergraduate degree is in mathematics. The tables and actually spreadsheets are so much easier. But the reason we show you the formulas is to show you this little puppy right here. huh? What is that called? When a number is raised to the power of, that's called the exponent. And in this case, the exponent is time. And if you know what an exponential graph looks like, it starts off really slowly 
and then goes wee way up into the middle of the air. <laughs> yeah. And so time, when you're young, is your ally. When you get old like me, time becomes your enemy. But that's for another day. So you see that? Time. Start early and time will be on your side. Now, on slide 36, we look at the present value of money. But again, it's not going to be on the exam. We don't want you to have to worry about it. It is something we use extensively in Business 123 Introduction to Investments. So maybe hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You might get interested in taking that class. There still might be some room available this semester, next semester. Uh, it's all available online for free at wonderprofessor.com. You won't get college credit unless you enroll, but it's all there. And so the present value is the exact opposite of the future value. It's the current value for a future amount based on a certain interest rate and period of time. So in other words, we're going to get some money somewhere in the future. What is it worth to us today? And again, it's the same idea, a lump sum or a series of withdrawals. Not only is it harder to comprehend, it's also not as important for financial planning, in my humble opinion. So ignore it. But the reason we show you is the formula, because it's the inverse of the present of the future value formulas if you're so inclined go back and look at the future value formulas and you'll see whereas the exponent was at the top now it's underneath the denominator and what does that mean for you more math inclined yes it does the exact opposite it starts over here and then goes wee down <laughs> And again, don't drop the class. Don't worry about it. We're not going to do any present value calculations. We just want to show you the formula to show you that it's the inverse and that um, we would use this when you get involved in investments in Business 123 or just take the class online for free. Okay, so slide 38. Here in the face-to-face -face class is where we would stop and pass out the future value handouts and work through them together. Now, my experience has been, the experience in the, the online classes is that many students in the online classes don't bother. They just don't do it. And then when the exam is shown right in front of their face, you can, I can just see their faces going, uh-oh, I better learn how to do this. And they pull up the, pre, they pull up the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the worksheets and they try to figure out how to do it. And it, it, don't, don't, don't do that because it takes a couple of times. It, it's like anything. You have to do it a few times to, to make an exam, to make it, to make it, to make it yours, to make, to, for, for you to, to do it on the exam correctly. So, so please don't blow these off. Sit down, work on these. And um, so you can stop right now and do them. But what you're going to find is that by starting early, and putting money away into investments, we use 10% in the, in, the, in, the, in the worksheets. You can build a substantial amount of wealth. We use a gentleman who's in his 30, he's 30 years old and starts putting money away. We use a woman at age 20, starts putting money away. And a gentleman age 18 and starts putting the same amount of money he puts away into Starbucks, into his own investments. And they all earn 10%. And it turns out, that they become very wealthy over time. And you can do it. 
I know you can do it because just like the wealthy barber, <laughs> there are people who have done it. Now, the question comes back. Okay, Piano, where are we going to get 10%, right? I go to the bank and I'm lucky if I get 1%. Well, that's an issue. And that's why towards the middle of the semester, a little bit after the middle of the semester, we're going to turn our attention to investments. But it turns out, dear students, as lucky members of the great American economic machine, you have had at your disposal investments that have earned more than 10% for over 50 years. And here are just some of them, dear students. We will come back to um, investments, as I said, about two-thirds into the semester, not quite a little past, little past the halfway mark. Spend about four weeks on investments, my favorite part of the semester. Remember, I'm a stockbroker, real uh, insurance agent, work in real estate. So you can you don't have to wait until then. You can contact me or go through business 123 introduction to investments. But look at these. 11 and a half, 11 and a half, 10, 11, 12 and a half. Six, almost six. I should get rid of that one, Phil, the Magellan. That's, there's a reason why that one is done so well. And it's mostly because of one man, Peter Lynch, who racked up 29% a year for 12 years. But Magellan has never gone back to its glory years. But here, 13%. And look at when they were started. 1967, 1950, 1931, 1950, 1934, 1935. Through the Great Depression, World War II, Korean War, 60s culture wars, Vietnam, Watergate, the gas crises, the towers coming down, the... the 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 uh, internet bubble burning bursting and the housing bubble bursting and now COVID, and yet the great American economic machine now the great global economic machine has churned out for many investors better than ten percent per year for over fifty years, and as I've said in the past and will continue to say. I am more optimistic about the future of humanity than ever before. Assuming we don't die in our own ways, blow ourselves up, deal with this issue. How could, how could putting on a mask, this is not, it's happened before folks, 1919, 1920, it happened before. How could not putting on a mask or putting on a mask become a political statement? It just doesn't make any sense. You listen to the doctors, they say, put on a mask, you put on a mask. And we will beat this thing. There are tons of really smart people, a whole lot smarter than me, who are working round the clock now to have a vaccine, have several vaccines, have treatments, have several treatments to trace, to, 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 to detect. They're even working on dogs now that can sniff it out in people before the people even know they have it. So we will survive. We will beat this thing. We will come out stronger. I am absolutely sure of it. I just hope I'm around to see it because I've been doing this since age 25 and don't think I'm any smarter than any of you for doing that. I just happened to have a wonderful mentor who when I walked on the campus of Southwestern Community College, I was 825, age 25. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was good at, at programming. That's what I used to teach. And he took me under his wing and said, Frank, I want you to get started with your 403B. It's like a 401k. 
Uh, I want you to start putting money away. You know, this is a great job. You're going to love it. I did. I love it. I loved every minute of it. I didn't think I, I thought I was going to be here for a semester. That's all. And I've been here ever since. And, uh, and because of him, my wife and I don't have to work anymore. I love my job. I want to do, I want to contribute, but we've been able to do what the wealthy barber has been able to do. What dear professor, he's long since departed, Tom Crescenzo told me I could do. And so I want to impart this upon you. I want you to have hope for your future. Because as I've said before, the next 20, 30 years, providing we survive, <laughs> should be the best, most prosperous years in the history of our civilization. I know it sounds like an advertisement, doesn't it? But it's sincere. And, and it's what I believe. So we'll see. Come back 20, 30 years. I hope I'm still around. And uh, see if I'm right. Cool? So, <laughs> do I have your attention? Do we have your... I certainly hope so, dear students. And so remember, you can bug me, send me an email, contact me. Uh, I can talk about finance, investments, far longer than any reasonable person would ever want to listen. So be careful. And do those future value problems. There are three worksheets, answer keys, commentaries, you can do it. You need the financial future value table too. So make sure you got to print out the table. And it's, it's a commentary that will show you and an answer key that will show you how to do these. Because in our next and final presentation in Chapter 1, we will discuss financial planning and career planning. And career, how your career uh, affects your financial uh, future and your planning. And we will see what is the most important financial decision you will ever make and the hint is that it's not your job what is the most fun important financial decision you will make in this lifetime you will find out in our next presentation once again thank you for being in our class dear students we are honored privileged happy and grateful that you're here we are going to do our best to make this the best class you've ever taken have i said that enough see ya